0: on this video we are going to cover what is being lukewarm what do people really mean when they say that how to stop being it (laughs) and how to thrive in our sanctification process with jesus but before we get into that guys my name is ruslan we have a free how to study the Bible course at masterminddevo.com or in the description of this video that you can pick up completely free to get you more consistent, get you more clarity, and ultimately get you more application for life change in your devotional time. Let's jump into this topic. So, how to stop being lukewarm. I put up a poll on my community tab on YouTube, which if you're not subscribed, why are you not subscribed? You'll get all the cool notifications and all that kind of stuff. But put up a poll. I said, what topic do you guys want me to cover next? And the overwhelming amount was how to stop being lukewarm. So before we get into how to stop let's first just get into the actual passage and what does it mean this is from the inspiring philosophy youtube channel by the way this whole video is really dope because it talks about high and low context approaches to language and 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 communication and he talks about how in scriptural times they had a higher context of what was being said and in, in our modern times we have a very low context and very literal approach to language okay
1: in the book of revelation There is a passage that modern preachers love to cite, "...you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth." If you were raised like me, you heard a number of sermons where the minister said, by being cold, Jesus means he prefers people to be completely against him instead of being lukewarm. In other words, being cold is bad, being hot is good. Being lukewarm is sort of trying to be in the middle and play both sides and that is even worse than just being outright cold. Mm. The problem is, this might not be what Jesus means in this passage. This letter was sent to the church in Laodicea, which had an interesting geographical location. The city was situated between two cities, Colossae and Heriopolis. At the base of Hierapolis, there was a natural hot spring that produced soothing warm water. In Colossae, there was a natural cold spring that produced cool, refreshing water. However, there weren't any springs in Laodicea, hmm. so they had to import their water from one of these two cities. But if they tried to bring the warm, soothing water from Hierapolis, it would cool to be lukewarm when it arrived in Laodicea. When they tried to bring the cool, refreshing water from Colossae, the natural climate would warm it so it would also be lukewarm. In other words, The water in Laodicea was useless, being neither cool and refreshing Hmm. or soothing and hot. Hmm. It was practically useless, whereas hot water is useful in ways as is cold water. Jesus was saying the Laodiceans were not being helpful for the kingdom in any way. They were neither being comforting and warm to the spiritually sick or refreshing for the spiritually tired. Hmm. Redwick and Green say, The church in Laodicea would have been intended to see in itself a similar uselessness. It was providing neither refreshment for the spiritually weary, nor healing for the spiritually sick. It was totally ineffective and thus distasteful to its Lord. It is it's interesting
0: when you start understanding what's going on in that region, what was going on with the culture, what was going on that, that the, the, the passage comes alive. When you are lukewarm, you're really not effective. You're not useful to the kingdom. Right? You're not really beneficial to what God can do in your life and through your life. And it's, it's really self-imposing, unnecessary heartache and hurt for yourself. And you're not being effective for God to use you in ways that he can use you. When you are approaching your relationship with God and you're wrestling with certain things, you're struggling with certain things, you... You're questioning maybe even if you are saved or not. I think it's important for us to have a healthy scriptural approach of what do the Bible say about these things and how can we get more freedom and breakthrough in regards to how we pursue Jesus. But I'm going to jump into a passage that many of us are familiar with. It is in Romans chapter 8. But before we do that, I just want to acknowledge something that many of us, we pursue our relationship with God in a mountaintop to mountaintop experience, right? You're going from one emotional high to another emotional high. You believe that if you can just go to this conference, if you can just go to this church, if you can just go hear this speaker, that that will give you enough oomph to make it through the, the, the next season. And you don't really stop, slow down, and establish those deep roots of your faith because it really just becomes about the emotional high of following God, right? And then you start getting confused on what is emotions versus what is the spirit and so on and so forth. And so in my experience, those times in my life where I've been the most lukewarm or the or the, or the most Enrenched in sin that I just felt like I couldn't control. It's usually been as a byproduct of being radical about something, right? And not being focused and content and disciplined in the simplicity of something. The folks that I know who struggled over the years the most with their faith, doesn't matter if they're a progressive Christian. It doesn't matter if they're not a Christian anymore. It doesn't matter if they, whatever, right? Practicing same. the people that I've known who have struggled the most are usually the people that are the most radical in their faith journey. And this is what I'm saying. I remember talking to a friend of mine, And this is about 12 years ago where the whole reformed and restless thing was huge in Christian hip-hop. Everybody became a Calvinist. And I was like, yo, what's up with with this Calvinism thing? You into the five points of Calvinism? Because some of them seem kind of sus and non-biblical. And I remember his response to me was, I'm a thousand-point Calvinist. Fast forward. His theology is a mess. He's not really coloring within the lines of following Jesus in terms of his belief system. And we saw a lot of people like that that really bought into the trend of Reformed theology and radical Calvinism that don't follow Jesus anymore. That's not a shock at all Calvinists. It's just this idea that when you need certainty in something, then you tend to be let down when you realize that not everything is as clean and dry as you think it is. But in all of these things... What I've found is that in in the situations where I've been dismissed as, quote unquote, being the liberal Christian because I didn't think you needed to cast out demons at every service or I didn't think you needed to study John Calvin like he was up there with the Bible. Right. In all these situations, the, the common thread has been. Let's be as radical as possible, right? It's hokumaniac Christians. We're going to be as radical as possible for the kingdom, brother. Right? Whichever side you pick, it's 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 the same thing. So I'm not saying don't have firm convictions. I'm saying if it's if if you need certainty in a specific ideology and it and it veers outside of the simplicity of pressing into Jesus through daily devotion, pressing into Jesus through prayer, you might need to rethink this, right? Because then you are just addicted to the feeling of discovering some new revelation that other people don't have. You might be addicted to the feeling of, I know it all, I got it the sovereignty, the, the predestination versus free will, we got that one figured out, bud. Right, and it's like, well, wait a minute, the scholars have been debating this for thousands of years. How do you, right, how do you know this? And it's that certainty that oftentimes leads people to really struggle because you pull on one thread, you pull on one thread of that whole thing and the entire things falls apart because you're so radical in every single approach. So, the long term, the long term, pursuit of Jesus is usually going to be in someone that that has a very simple devotion to Christ. A very simple, daily, consistent, I'm going to read my Bible, be in a church, pray, pray for others. And so I, I say all that to say because some of you guys are wrestling with this and, and, and you may not even know the root why. And I will say that in my life, the more radical I was on specific things, the more I struggled with sin and it was full of pride and was lukewarm. So let's go to a passage of scripture. This is Romans. Paul's writing the church in Rome. I want you guys to go back on your own time. Read all of Romans 6, right, where Paul is clear. We don't don't keep sinning just because Jesus has grace for us. And then read Romans 7, where Paul actually talks about wrestling with his flesh And then see where he arrives in Romans 8, where he's basically in a spot where, man, this is hard. This is a tough pursuit. The sin that lives in me and the law reveals the sin, but I keep sinning and all these different things. And then he arrives at this beautiful part, this beautiful part in Romans 8. And I think this is going to get to the crux of how you can move away from being lukewarm, how you can move away from being in this habit loop. Romans 8, uh, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Okay, so off the top, he's telling you, despite this gnarly thing he's having in Romans 7 where he's wrestling, and what a wretched man I am, who will save me? He opens with Romans 8 with this huge line of hope saying, there's no condemnation. If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Why? Because of you? Nope. He points back to Jesus. He goes right back to pointing Jesus. Why? Because Christ Jesus, through the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. So Paul, so, so Paul is saying Jesus dealt with this ransom, this issue of sin and death by the resurrection. And then he goes on to say, verse, verse uh, 3, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who, don't, who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. The, the righteous requirement of the law had to be met. And it was either going to be met by you facing a holy God or it was going to be met by Jesus dying on the cross for your sin. Okay? And so then because of that, we have this new freedom from shame, freedom from condemnation, so on and so forth. Verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live according in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Okay, so he's, he's drawing this distinction. Okay, verse 8. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. God, there's a lot of emphasis. a lot of emphasis on your flesh and what you're dealing in the decisions you're making here. But then he turns around and says, "What?" Romans nine. I mean, uh, Romans, Romans eight nine. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So you're not in the flesh. He's writing this and he's saying this is the issue. This is what we're having. But you're not. You're not, even though you may still have things that you're working through and God is still sanctifying you, you still need to cooperate with God, you're not that. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, then even though you are, your body is subject to death of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. Verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, Brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. So we have this obligation. Here's here's your role in it. Here's your responsibility. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But, and here's the obligation. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that... You live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen. Okay, so Paul is telling you, listen, despite whatever you're dealing with, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. You now have the spirit of the living God living in you. You're now adopted and there's a sonship to you. So you were orphaned. Now you're adopted into the family of God. That's amazing. Okay. And he's saying the requirement now is that we, by the spirit, put to death the misdeeds of Of the flesh. We by the Spirit start to cooperate with the things God has for us. We by the Spirit start saying, I'm going to do this sanctification process. That we understand that salvation is by grace through faith. We're justified in Jesus. That is amazing. That is good news. But now the sanctification is us saying, okay, I'm going to cooperate. With the conviction of the Spirit. I'm going to cooperate with what is the Spirit looking to do in my life? How do I walk along with the Spirit? How do I become more and more like Jesus? And that is by the Spirit putting to death the deeds of the flesh. The the basic, most simple way to explain this to you is a lot of people they get the repentance part. You understand the repentance part. You've got the repentance. I'm with you. I'm that is amazing. Yes, you gotta you gotta remove. You got to repent and you got to remove certain things. Amen. There's some there's some things you might need to stop watching. There's some people you may need to get away from. There's some things you might need to stop doing. Remove those things. Absolutely. But we forget this is the key. We forget to replace it with more of the spirit in our lives. We forget that who you become isn't determined in just mountaintop experiences and emotional revivals. Who you become in the next year, five, 10, 20 years of your life, is in the small incremental decisions you make every single day. It's not about mountains, just mountains. There's nothing wrong with an experience. No wrong with a conference. No wrong with going to a delivery service. No wrong with any of that. But if all your relationship with God hinges on is your next mountaintop experience, but you never stop to develop deep roots and consistently water the seed and consistently work the land of, this, of, the, of the work that God is doing in your heart, you're going to struggle and you need to replace those things. With the new things. What are those new things? The Word. Let's get in the Word. I'm astonished. I'm frustrated by how many Christians have not read through at least the New Testament. At least the New Testament. That's why we put together the How to Study Your Bible course, MasterMyDevo.com. We put that together. Why? So that we can at least get you through the Gospel of John, and hopefully you keep reading it. And once you read the New Testament, you go, Whoa, this is, this is the Old Testament? I should go read that. And then you say, Whoa, the New Testament makes way more sense than the other half context of the Old Testament, right? Just get in this Word, man. A chapter a day. Three chapters a day you can get through the whole Bible in a year. Just three chapters a day. I've done it probably six or seven times. Okay, get in the word, get into just some consistent prayer. A lot of you guys want to do real over the top prayer stuff. That's awesome. Hey, how about you just get yourself a little journal, get yourself a little journal and just start writing down your prayers. Just write down your prayers. God, I'm believing for breakthrough and in this area of my life. God, I'm praying that you would save my friend. God, I'm praying that you would bless my marriage. God, I just start writing those things down. God, I need a promotion at work, man. It's expensive. They just increased my rent. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to write. I'm just okay, God. So I'm going to believe that I'm either going to get a promotion or I'm going to get a better job, right? Just you start writing those things down. Your faith then grows. Okay, so prayer. Okay, fellowship. Get into a local church. Get into some. Get around some humans. Get around some people that you could talk to face to face. Okay, don't get there expecting a perfect church. Pulling up as the fruit inspector. Do they have the right theology? Do they do this? Do they believe in a thousand points of Calvinism? Do they do deliverance ministry? Listen, if there's such a thing as a perfect church, it would cease to be perfect the moment any of us showed up. Okay? Just find a good church that's going to teach you the scriptures and teach you about Jesus. Okay, great part to start the Arc Network, Calvary Chapel. There's all kinds of resources, right? Acts 29. These are all different theological slants, by the way. Acts 29 is going to be more on the reform tip. Calvary Chapel is going to be less on the reform tip. You can find the Arc Network, which is kind of in the middle, right? Find yourself a good church and then start paying attention to your own life. Hey, as you're replacing these things, are, are, are is there still patterns and pathways that aren't helpful? Okay, l- now let me let, let's 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 start paying attention to these things. Okay, oh man, I keep doing this thing. Oh, I got around these people and I had this blind spot and they pointed this out to me and this is not really conducive to how Christians should be acting. Okay, I got to make some changes. That may mean you end up in therapy. That might mean you end up with a Christian counselor. That might mean you end up in some kind of course. Like, I couldn't afford counseling and therapy initially. I went through a class called Men Skills at my church. It changed my life. It was completely revolutionized everything. I started finally getting to the root of these issues, right? And so all of this is flowing, all of this is flowing through the understanding that you're saved by grace through faith. Therefore, act accordingly. You were an orphan okay? You did, not, you did not have a spiritual uh, father who loved you. Jesus adopts you, and now you're an heir to the throne with him. Act accordingly. Stop keep acting like you're an orphan. Stop keep acting like you're on your own. Stop keep doing things your way. Hey, if you, you're a child of the king. Let's start acting like it, right? If you're adopted into this amazing royal family you're not just gonna keep acting like a beggar. You're probably gonna think about yourself a little different, right? So start acting accordingly. So a lot of this stuff, guys, is is we we do that we do the we do the big idea. We change our mind. Okay, great. You repented. That's awesome. Praise God. And you remove. You start pulling stuff out. You start removing things from your life. Amen. Praise God. That's awesome. But you never go to the next step of saying, okay, now we got to replace these things. I got, by, I got by the Spirit. I got to put to death the deeds of the flesh. By the Spirit, I got to start doing more things for and with and along with the Spirit in my life. And I feel like if we do that, I believe if we do that, I know in my life when I've done that, um, God has d- done miraculous things. And. My personal life, my mental health, my physical life, my finances—he's done supernatural things. And no, there wasn't always just goosebumps and you know, uh, uh, keyboard and emotional music playing. No, like supernatural things that I, I, I couldn't believe what happened. And I and I'm believing he's gonna do more supernatural things in me, through me, to my family because of what the Spirit is doing. So, guys. Work on, the, work on the basics. It's the, it's the day-to-day things that are going to determine who you are in the next decade of your life. It's the day-to-day things that you do every single day that's going to determine what kind of legacy you live behind. It's, the, it's those little incremental habits, the 20 minutes a day, the 30 minutes a day, the 40 minutes a day. Anyone that's ever done fitness knows that it's not about fad diets and getting radical about, oh, I'm doing keto this week. Oh, next week I'm doing, I'm a vegan. It's not about the fad diets. It's not about, I'm going to go do this. Th-. Listen, it's about the consistency. The, 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 the plan that you're on when it comes to nutrition, can you do that indefinitely? Can you do that indefinitely? The gym workouts you do, it's, if you if you work out so hard, you don't come back the next day, well, then buddy, you overdid it. If you, if you read 29 chapters, once a year in the Bible, you'd be better off reading a chapter a day than, one, than 29 chapters. I read through the whole New Testament last night. Yeah, okay, well, how, how are you doing the rest of the time? Oh, I I'm, I'm just burnt out, right? It's about the consistency. It's about those little things, those incremental things, and they compound, and they and they, it's like a snowball effect, right? So, guys, hopefully this is helpful. Um, let me know what you guys think about it. And again, uh, how to study the Bible course in the description. It's free if you just need to kind of get to, to the basics, mastermydevo.com, all that good stuff. Uh, hopefully this is helpful, man. Let me know what you guys think, okay? Guys, if you found this video valuable, make sure to give it a like and subscribe. And in the description, we have a free three-day challenge for anyone that's an expert, that's a business owner, that is looking to get in the YouTube space to create content that could help them expand their audience, their impact, and their income. So make sure you sign up. That free three-day challenge is coming up soon. All right, peace.